This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jesse. This is us, bro. What's up, Tony? (laughs) What up, man? (laughs) It's great. This This is is weird, but great. Yeah, yeah, really, really weird. Jason usually does this. I am not Jason, and that is not Jason on the other end. That is Jesse. Jesse Lopez, producer extraordinaire. I am Tony Gill, also a producer. Not extraordinary. Uh, Chris is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Thank Pat yourself on the back. Come on. Come on, Tony. Oh, okay. Okay. Jay's not here. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Jason is not here. Jason is on vacation. And I know y'all was like, man, didn't Jason just go on vacation? Look. All right. Sports is dead right now. All right. It's, it's summertime. It's sports. It's summertime. There's a reason baseball's called America's pastime. All right. There's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Not forget that. I love baseball, but there's a reason for that name. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a reason. So it gives people time to, you know, just to, before football picks up, before basketball picks up, just, just relax and chill. But don't worry. We got you, though. Jason is still on this episode. We have a great interview. What is it? Wait, first of all, let, let me do this episode right. What What is this episode? 126? Let me double check that because I want to be right. So let me, <laughs> let's on, go. 126, 126. Let's go, let's go, let's go. What time 126. <laughs> so, just to, uh, see, look, see, no one's missing anything right now. Right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> you know, did I ever tell you all the story, tell you the story, Jesse, about how somebody thought that was me doing the intro? Like in the actual voice open, like the yeah, fancy produced intro? Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, c- congratulations. That was a great, great, uh, great voiceover you did for Jason. I was like, what? <laughs> not, yeah, not, I, not, I, I did not know you can change a voice like that, Tony. That is amazing. And, and I, I do some of the voiceovers for NBC Sports Chicago, but I'm thinking, I'm like, did I do something for Jason? And he was like, oh, man, not only do all blacks look the same, but we sound the same, too. Like, come on, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's not what you came in for. No. All right. Uh, we got a great interview Jason did this week with Thomas Q. Jones. If you are not familiar, former Chicago Bear, former NFL player, now actor, is as an excellent, you know, acting career. He was in a bunch of stuff. One of my favorite stuff that he was in was Luke Cage on uh, the Marvel series. That was an excellent acting job that Thomas did there. He had an extended uh, role there. So uh, him and Jason talks about his post career, talks about his life in the NFL and a bunch of other stuff. So sit back, relax, put the babies to bed, get ready your dog to go on that long extended walk because this uh, interview was really, really great. So uh, I'm proud and, and excited for you guys to listen to it and check it out. This is the Full Go Podcast with Jason Golf on the Ringer. So here on the Full Go Podcast, we 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 do the intros where we just get right to talking and we start recording immediately. So everybody knows because I've told people in the the pod previously. Uh, I've promoted. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, a member of the 10,000 yard club, 12 year NFL veteran, former Chicago Bear, one of the most uh, underrated and underappreciated running backs and probably players, I think, in Chicago Bears history. And uh, uh, not not just a budding thespian, but like a professional, professional <laughs> actor, executive producer. Thomas Q. Jones joins the Full Go Podcast here with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify is the gang. Thomas, thank you so much for jumping on. Now, I will say this. You are here to talk to me about... Johnson. And <laughs> before anybody loses their minds, <laughs> it's on the Bounce Network. Um, and this is the other thing, too. I, I'm, I'm at the holiday, everybody, because I, I have been subscribing to more networks because of this pod than I know what to do with, right? Like, shout out to the Bounce Network. They're they going to get my four bucks a month out of me because I want to support this show. Uh, about four men who grew up together as kids, all with the last name Johnson, but not related, right? And then you got Uncle Johnson in there who played by D.L. Hewley. Um, I am through the first three episodes, and I am I am busy trying to figure out which one of these brothers that I have been, am, or don't want to be going forward. <laughs> and, and, and and your character, Omar, uh, has, has stood out to me uh, from the jump. You, you, <laughs> The, the the custody situation, the divorce situation, the anger management situation. I want to ask you this. As a former athlete who is now not doing this as some kind of hobby or side work, like this is a, a passion project for you for the last seemingly seven, eight, nine years. You've been in a lot of stuff, man. P Valley, um, you know, being Mary Jane. Of course, straight out of Compton when you walked up on Jerry Heller and everybody in the theater was like, oh shit. It's about to go down. Um, how long have you wanted to do this? And how long has this kind of been in your heart? Uh, man, listen, first of all, thanks for having me on, man. I love I love this uh, this uh, platform you have, man. So I'm a big fan. So thank you for having me on. Um, honestly, it was a random thing. It, it, it wasn't something that I really thought about. You know, I retired in 2012, and I was like, you know, what do I do now? Like a lot of other NFL players that retired, you know, play that long, and Football's been your life, and and now it's you have to start over and find something new that you love and you're passionate about. And I uh, started working on this little project in Miami that I uh, took a small role on because honestly I was bored, and mm-hmm. um, I ended up playing Clifton Powell, the legendary Clifton Powell's nephew, on the uh, project. And he thought I had some raw talent. He just kept p- pushing me, you know, hey boy, you, know, you got some talent, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's take it serious, though. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Cliff, you know, um, this first couple of times I just kind of blew it off. So I was like, listen, man, I'm finally retired. I'm in Miami. I'm home. I'm sitting in one place finally for, you know, a cons- uh, consistent period of time. And I didn't want to have to be in New York or L.A. And uh, he just kept harassing me. Like, Yo, all right, um, listen, I got it. I got you. So I found an, an, an agency in New York. And they started sending me on some auditions. and. First couple of auditions I, I went on, uh, I started booking some roles and I, I didn't even have any classes or anything. So it just felt like this was something that could be something that could be lucrative for me to, to pursue. It, it, it felt like something that was new, different, challenging, um, you know, gave me an opportunity to meet new people, uh, you know, hear new perspectives. And so I took it on in 2014 for real, moved out to L.A. 
uh, found an apartment and then just got busy. So yeah, since 2014, officially, I've been uh, a working actor turned producer, um, turned creative writer, all those things. Um, you know, and it's become almost therapeutic for me, you know, coming from the NFL because the NFL is a very specific world. Uh, and you have to be a very specific kind of person to be successful for that long. And sometimes that person uh, as a football player becomes you as a person outside of football and, and acting really helped me um, peel back a lot of those layers uh, that I had built up as a football player and, and, you know, bring a lot more humanity into my day-to-day life. So it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah. No, what, what do you find that's attributable or, or transferable in terms of what you lived in your football life and that professional aspect and what you now do, whether it be um, producing or writing or acting? Like what, what, what skills, you know, I know, team building and bonding and all that other stuff and chemistry with people on, st- on set or chemistry with business partners? Like what, what do you think you've taken that you can rely upon that was instilled in you through football or just instilled in you? through your childhood that you can actually now apply as a working actor and a producer and things of that nature. Right. What's so crazy, Jason, is that football and, and, and Hollywood are the same in a lot of ways. And it takes a lot of the same skill sets, the same um, uh, personality traits and, and, and character traits to be successful. In football, it's very competitive. Super competitive. Obviously, there's only 32 teams. You know, you fight for 53 spots. You're running back three spots. You know what I'm saying? So you, you got to be on your A game at all times because as soon as you slip, you can't even get injured. As soon as you get injured, bam, somebody else is taking out three. You know, so it's the same way in Hollywood. You go on auditions and there's a lot of different uh, networks and, and platforms now with streaming platforms and things of that nature, but there's still only so many shows that are going to knock it out the park. And, and a lot of actors are going out for those same roles over and over again. I don't know how many times I, I, I've seen the same actors on the same auditions for years. And all of a sudden, bam, you'll see one book a role in a certain film or TV show and now they're a superstar. And I was going on auditions with this person for the last six years. Right. And so, it's, it's, so it's very competitive. Uh, so that's very similar to the NFL Hollywood. Also, um, as an actor, it's similar to being a football player. You know, you have your playbook, right? So the more you know your plays, the more you understand the blocking schemes, you understand the defensive fronts, you understand the linebackers' tendencies. Uh, when I watch Ray Lewis, I know if, if he's leaning forward a little bit, he can't hold his water, he's blitzing in the A-gap. If, he's, if his feet are, are, are flat on the ground, uh, he's, got man to man, he's got you man-to-man coverage. Uh, if he's if he's leaning back at l- a little bit, it's in the zone. <laughs> but these are all things you, you 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 have to watch hours and hours of film to know, to watch. And then even then, you still have to make the play. So the more knowledgeable you are in football of what you're supposed to be doing and the plays, you're going to be able to react. You're not mm-hmm. thinking. You're just reacting because it's muscle memory at this point. Same thing as an actor. You have a script. Um, the more you know your character is, the more work you do in your character backstory. You give the character, um, you know, a childhood. You give the character some ups and downs in their life. Uh, um, you add your own ups and downs into to the character. You understand the character's arc from the beginning of the film or TV series to the end. Um, and now you're able to just react and they say action. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about the lines. You're not thinking about do I look stupid? Do I sound, you know, you're not thinking of any of that. You're just yeah. living and breathing life for the character. Um, and so those are two ways that it's, that it's similar. And also it's high stakes. I mean, you're putting yourself on front street, you put on Monday Night Football, every bar in America is watching your, your rise and your demise. You know, it's the same thing as an actor. You know, obviously in acting, you have editing. So, you know, if you drop your line in the scene, they can go back to this line. You know what I mean? This is a lot of theater, something like that. But still, at the same time, you know, you put your talents on display for the world to to be judged. And so um, it was a perfect transition for me because the stakes were super high at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was used to, you know, being under pressure. And um, yeah, man, it's been a great, great transition because of those, those similarities. 
when you jump into a role, for instance, like the Omar character that you're playing uh, on Johnson or any other characters that, you know, the P-Valley being Mary Jane, whatever you've played, how do you, when you fully immerse yourself in that, and it sounds like you do in each one of these roles and in, in, in your craft, how do you rinse yourself of not just that experience or things that you might have, you know, gained or, you know, jumped into experientially and also trying to play a character? Like, how do you separate the two once it's time to go ahead and throw that thing out for the world to consume? Like, how do you, how do you, how do you free yourself of, of said character? Right. It's a great question. Again, similar to football. When I when I walk in the stadium <clears throat> on Sunday, I'm Thomas Jones, just me. I probably left my mom or my you know, my pops, you know, at the, at the hotel, and you know, give everybody a hug, good luck, you know, be careful, you know, get a great game. So, you know, it's me, Thomas Jones. But as I move into that stadium, and as I put my my pads in my pants and I get my ankles taped, and I'm transitioning into Thomas Jones, number twenty, Jones for the Jets, the Bears, the football player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the running back, the guy that's going to potentially get 25, 30 carries this, this day and might, I might, you know, break uh, a record. I might break my leg. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the stakes. So I transition into that person. By the time I'm, I go out there for, for uh, the, 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 um, the snap, first snap of the game, I'm already, I'm, I'm dialed in. And then after the game, it takes time to, to, you know, debrief, detox. Um, you really don't come out of that probably until the next day. Um, and that's what I was saying. Sometimes you never come out of it, depending on how long you do it. It's the same thing with, with acting. Based on what I'm using for my character, for an Omar character, for one scene this evening, unfortunately, I had one of, one of my best friends passed away um, in the middle of production. And, and I had a couple of emotional scenes. And so, um, I was, I was still dealing, grieving, going through the grieving process. And I was using that into in my, in my character. And so, um, it, it didn't just go away because I was using something very personal and something I was still dealing with to, to enhance, uh, the performance based off of what stakes Omar was going through. So it took me a couple of days after I did those scenes separately to kind of, come back because I'm always joking and laughing. I have a pretty like lighthearted personality. But you know, that was a traumatic situation for me, but I was able to use it in my character. And um and it took me a couple of days. So it just depends on what if you have a good game and it's not an intense game, you know, we blow somebody out 40 to nothing and I have 150 yards, don't take that long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if it's a close game and we went all the way to the wire and we lost in overtime, more than likely it's going to take me a little bit. Same thing with my characters, depending on whatever, whatever I'm using in turn to connect with the character. What I like about this show, and I'm four episodes in, and what I like so far about the shout out to the Rosa Acosta uh, appearance very early in the show <laughs> to get everybody on the right path of the kind of vibes that y'all were trying to set. Uh, and <laughs> but, but what I like about this show is it's, it's a show about Black men living life. Right. And usually what you hear, because in the first uh, I think the first episode and a half was was when uh, was when my man was a Keith that sits down with his with his wife and his wife's friends. Was it Keith or or was Jarvis? It, it was Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah, yeah, Jarvis sits Jarvis, down with yeah. his wife and his wife's friends, and they're like, "Is Love and Basketball a black movie?" And it's like, <laughs> and, and immediately I was like, "This is perfect because this is a show. It just so happens to have." black men and black women at the center of it and kind of showing that, you know, life is life. (laughs) You go through what you go through Um, and the growth and the personal discomforts and comforts of, of, uh, you know, these men as you follow them. You just mentioned, and and I'm sorry to hear that, man, that you you had a friend pass away while filming the situation. Um, That vulnerability that this show kind of keys in on, you know, in moments where guys need to be and guys where guys don't want to be and guys in, in moments where guys have to be. Um, the, the things that we've been taught and the things that we know are right, like battling those moments and then having it come out in the character or have it come out in the writing. Was, was that a was that a focal point of this show or is it just things that come out in the ether when you're sitting out in a, in a writing room and guys and girls are throwing together ideas? Right. 
Um, well, my producing partner, Daisy LeRae, he created the show. And he does a uh, terrific job in it as well. So, yeah, thank you. He plays Greg Johnson. Yeah. And he's an incredible writer. He's written all 20 episodes from season one, 10 episodes in season two. So he's an, he's an incredible writer. Uh, Deji and I are really, really close. We're like brothers and we talk about everything. And we understand the Black experience. We understand the highs and lows of what it's like to be a Black man and go through some of the obstacles that we have to go through just because we are Black. And so we wanted to make sure that the show is authentic. Uh, we, we, I mean, we don't have this type of content on TV. Usually when you see Black men on TV, we're not, we're either laughing at life, we're not taking it serious, or um, we're involved in some sort of crime. Right, and, and, yeah, it's a struggle and it's just, woe is me. And it's just, that's, that's not the majority of Black men. That's a small sector of Black men, but that's not all Black men. The majority of Black men are like me, like you. Just having this conversation, go get a beer, go play basketball. I mean, that's that's what we do, you know. Um, have in depth conversations about maybe politics or mm-hmm. you know life. I mean, th- that's what we do, but we don't ever get to see that and hear that on the media, on the radio. We don't see it on TV. So we wanted to make sure we, we we made a show that was relevant, that first and foremost, black men could watch and they could feel that they were represented, their voice was was represented, and also um, black women. As well, like women have yeah. a huge voice on this show because yes, they do. in our in our community, um, they're the catalyst for a lot of the things that we do as black men. And then thirdly, we wanted to make it a human show where no matter what culture you're from, you can connect to these characters from a human level, but you can also learn maybe what you aren't shown or aren't told. You can learn directly from the horse's mouth, which is which is us as, as black men on this show. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. I wanted to get into what 2006, the 2006 season was for you as a Chicago Bears player, member of that organization, member of the NFL, because as Bears fans, you know, um, I... It was a tradition. Every Sunday morning, we would get up. My dad and I would watch the Mike Dicker show with Johnny Morris. Mike Dicker would go off on people. Then we'd watch Bears football. And then I'd cleanse my palate with whatever NBC, AFC game it was. Usually like a Raiders game or a Bengals game. Like, oh, look, they playing a different brand of football in the AFC. Like, you know, we was born into this. And 85, I was five years old. So, you know, fast forward when I'm 26, and the 2006 season is here, and you, we know the kind of defense that this team has. We know the veteran leadership. I, I thought that that season, when it comes down to it, it, it was one of the more remarkable seasons that this city has ever seen because of the juxtaposition of offense versus defense, the quarterback situation, Lovey Smith at the helm. What was that season like for you as one of the more integral parts of that team because let's face it offensively there wasn't a lot of points put up on the board but when there were and when big plays were made it was because of the running games because of guys like you and Olin Krutz and the boys up front what was that season like for you that was an incredible season one of the best seasons of my football career NFL college high school um it was it was so much fun we just it was just a perfect mixture of talent 
and experience and passion uh, mixed in with this probably arguably the best football city in the country. Um, it was a dream. If you're, if you're a football player, that's the dream. That's the dream is to, to win the Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. I, mean, I, was, I was a Chicago Bears fan growing up in Virginia, huge Walter Payton fan. I had the Walter Payton kangaroo shoes. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> in, in grade school. And, um, you know, I was a big fan. Um, and so to be able to play for the Bears, especially play running back, um, go on that winning streak we went on. I mean, we were beating people pretty bad. I mean, you know, we were roughing them up on offense mm-hmm. and we're beating them up on defense. And uh, we had a very, very physical team. Our practice, our practices were more physical than, than the games. So by the time we, we ended up getting to the games, it was, it was easy because, you know, we, you know, at each other in practice. But it was, I've never been on such a close-knit team in my life. We were all so close and all just brothers and for each other. And that's why we were so successful. And obviously, we didn't, we didn't finish it, finish the deal. Um, and that's something that haunts me to this day and it will haunt me forever. That's the one regret that I have out of my career is, is not finishing the deal. But that experience on that team, lifelong friends, lifelong memories, Chicago, I mean, Chicago is still home. Still mm-hmm. home. It'll always, it'll always be home for me. Um, it was incredible, man. It's one of the, one of the best experiences of my life. And it's down. That situation, too, going into that year, because uh, I've talked to Olin about this. I've talked to Lance about this. I've talked to Alex Brown about this. Um, it's crazy getting a chance to cover you guys and now working alongside with some of you guys at NBC Sports Chicago and, and, and just looking at your careers and how you guys click up, whether it be on the Internet, when, when somebody says something on Twitter and like five of y'all respond immediately, <laughs> that, that brotherhood and that kinship seemingly was there. I also remember, and, and, and God rest his soul. Cedric Benson, when he was added to the mix and people, I, I, I'll never forget in Bourbon A was like, how is Thomas going to respond to this? And I was like, well, Thomas going to do his job, <laughs> right? And, and, right? and Cedric Benson is the fourth pick in the draft. He's got a job to do as well. Uh, and then we fast forward to the Super Bowl and what happened in the Super Bowl and Cedric, you know, it, for whatever reason, not being a part of the game plan or not being in there in the second half of that game. What was that situation like for you as a young veteran in the league? you know you got a finite amount of time that you be able to do this as an NFL player so every snap and every rep is valuable and every game and every down is valuable but sharing a room with a guy you know was brought in to do your job as well and also how the defense handled him like I remember training camp when people were saying Cedric was getting hit too hard and they was taking you know they was taking shots at him because they were behind you uh what was what, what was the 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 things that were real, um, rumored, false, misunderstood about the dynamic between not just the running back room, but also the offense for that team in 2006? Um, well, I, I, I completely understood at that um, point in my career the business of the NFL. So at that point, I didn't take anything personal. Uh, I mean, I was the seventh overall pick in 2000. I was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. They had Michael Pittman there. Yeah. Uh, and I was fortunate and blessed to play um, next to Michael Pittman and be under his tutelage. Uh, he was a big brother to me and a mentor. And I didn't go into that situation thinking I'm the man or I'm the seventh overall pick. I was humble enough to know I have to learn. I have to learn the playbook. I have to, you know, adjust to the speed of the game. Um, and Michael Pittman took me under his wing. He didn't look at me as competition. Obviously, we understand that we are. It's a job, but at the same time, uh, we had similar spirits, similar energies, and we just clicked immediately. And we played in the preseason. And and uh, before our first regular season game, I was uh, made the starter. And he came over to me in my locker, I'll never forget it, and shook my hand. He said, congratulations. Whatever you need, let me know. I'm here for you, and you know, let's let's uh, let's get this thing going. Follow your lead, you know what I'm saying. So you know how big of a person you have to be to let your ego and and you know not your pride, but just you know it's a huge, it's a vulnerable statement. moment for him. Yeah, and yeah. and I was like, on the flip side, listen, man, like I'm still learning from you. I appreciate you. 
you know, any advice you have, I'm, trust me, I'm not only listening, but I'm watching. And so we never had any, any issue. Um, and then four weeks later, you know, our head coach was fired and then he became, he was named starter over me. And so, you know, but it wasn't an issue because I, I, I didn't see it that way because it was more so about the brotherhood and us collectively helping us win and, and bringing this team who've been, been, you know, bad for so long, trying to figure out how we could make this team win. And he, you know, ended up leaving and going to Tampa. And I ended up leaving going to Tampa you know, a couple of years later. It was the same thing. And he was a starter the majority of the season. And then I ended up being the starter of the last three games. And that's how I ended up signing with Chicago. Um, you know, first and foremost, rest in peace, Cedric Benson. Yes, sir. Uh, incredible, incredible man. Uh, incredible football player. Uh, I think when Ced came in, I think Lovey and Jerry Angelo, I don't know if they had truly really prepped him um, to let him know what he was kind of coming into. Uh, I think he came in based off of what he was told that I was maybe a journeyman that was, you know, a team leader and, um, you know, maybe eventually he would be the starter. And so I think that's what he thought, you know, because said, you know, was a humble person. He's a good kid, you know, but I think he was misled when he joined the team. And I think that's where a lot of disconnection came because I was just like Michael Pittman was to me. That's all I knew. That's how I've always been in college and at every other high school, any level of football, I've always been welcoming. So I was like that with him. You know, hey, so I'm a so running back group. I'm a vet. Whatever you need from me, uh, I can teach you. I can help you however you, you know, um, need my help. But I, I don't think that he had that same mindset because of what he was told. And so um, after I extended my hand, I don't think he received it the same way, which was fine. You know, we don't have to be friends, but it created a little tension because now it's more business. Uh, it's not a camaraderie thing. It's not a brotherhood thing. It's more business, you know, because that's kind of the stage that's set. And so if it's that, then, you know, I'm going to go all out you know, to compete. I'm a competitor. I've competed my entire life. I've been the best at every level my entire life. I don't know anything but that. And so uh, I think that's what kind of started a little bit of a disconnect. And um, and then it was kind of weird because I felt like, you know, Lovey and Jerry, I know it's a business and there's money involved. And, you know, if you make a pick that high, you know, you make that decision, you know, that player has to play. You, know, you have to get your return on investment with production. And because I guess uh, I wasn't coming off the field and, you know, plays, it was, it was hard to get set in the game, you know. Um, and then he had the injury in 2005, and then um, he missed the rest of the season. And in 2006, we had the whole contract situation because it's business too. And a lot of times fans don't understand that business side. You know, obviously they understand the football side because that's their team and their passion. But at the same time, you work for um, Thomas Jones work, Inc. <laughs> yeah, because they work for, they work for Chicago. Hundred percent. Business, it's a business deal. So it's like whatever leverage you have as a team or a player, you have to use that for your own personal benefit because they're giving you the money and you're doing the work. So I feel like, well, you know, if I'm doing the work, um, then maybe you could, you know, uh, maybe, I don't know, give me any deal or figure this restructure, out. Restructure my deal, just something because I'm doing the majority of the work and they weren't willing to do that. And, um, you know, that was the leverage that I had at that time. I knew my positioning and, and I had a really good agent at Drew Rosenhouse. And, you know, we positioned, we put myself in a position where I was able to use that leverage. Uh, and Jerry Angelo, before this 2006 season, said, you know, we will, uh, we'll re renegotiate your contract at the end of the year. Uh, I had one year left on my deal. But the 2006 season, you know, said was started because I didn't come to the offseason program. And, um, he ended up getting hurt in training camp, and then I ended up getting uh, the job back because of his injury. Um, and then, you know, we just didn't really click, you know. I mean, he's used to being the guy, and still mm -hmm. thinking what they told him. At this point now, it's for me, it's full-blown competition. And now, you know, I've gone to the dark side in my mind because I'm like, well, you know, this is what it is, and this is just what it is. If it's up, it's up, it's <laughs> up. Yeah, that's it, you know. Um, and it wasn't personal. It was just, this is this is our life. This is what we're doing. So I think that's where me and Sid were. And it was just merely a uh, disconnect from the beginning. 
And and that ended up becoming a friendship. Because once I left, we played against each other several times. And um, after the game, he was the first person I went to talk to and told him how proud I was of him because I knew what it was like to be an early pick. And I knew what it was like to not get playing time early on and be calling all these different types of derogatory names and not mm-hmm. have the city support you. I knew what that felt like. I went through it in Arizona for three years. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I will always love Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson made me a better player. Cedric Benson pushed me to, to be the best player that I could be. I'll always thank him for that and, and be grateful to him for that. Um, and, you know, I, I hate that, you know, he passed away. I was yeah. pretty devastated when it happened. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, it was, uh, that, was, that, was, that was a really, uh, really tough pill to swallow when I got the news. But in regards to guys hitting him and trying to hurt him, I, that, that wasn't really the case either. Um, we, were, we had a physical team. Yeah. On offense, we were physical. I mean, on, on offense, you know, we, you know, we had Rex, you know, Rex and Kyle, you know, they, they did a good job. You know, they managed the games, but we were a running team. We got off the bus running on offense. We didn't care if you had seven, eight, nine, ten in the box, eleven in the box. We're gonna run the ball. And we and you know that we're only, and we're only gonna run four or five plays. <laughs> Inside zone, outside zone, power, counter, maybe toss. That's what we're gonna run. We're gonna line up and we're gonna run, we're gonna put our seven studs on at home, soldier field, and we're gonna run run the ball. So we had a physical team on defense and, in, and on offense. You know, there weren't a lot of points. We were physical. We wore teams down. Sometimes in practice, things got a little heated. Things got a little turned up, not just for said, but just for all of us. You know, somebody may do something and piss somebody off. You know, somebody may push me in the back on defense and piss me off. Or somebody may push Lack in the back and piss him off or AB. And now it's like, oh, just let me fuck up my chin. <laughs> let me get right. Somebody's bad now. <laughs> we, we, we said we weren't going to do this today. And then now somebody does something. Olin, somebody dodged Olin's knees. And now it's like, oh, shit. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. You know, and hopefully who's the, who's the, who's the, the most practice. consistent fire starter? Like, who was like, all right, all right, Izzy is out here doing this, or Lance again, or Ruben? Like, who was who was the one where you're like, oh, shit, I saw it in his eyes in the locker room, and I knew it was happening today. I would say, <laughs> I think you already named the name. Olin, I, was about to say, <laughs> I don't even have to say, Olin. it's my man. Oh, have, shout out to OG. Olin, Olin was the heartbeat of the Bears, man. He was the heartbeat of the team, and. My, Olin and I, we clicked immediately in 04 as soon as I signed Chicago. I can tell because right? both of y'all are qu- quiet and crazy. I can tell. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> I already know the vibe. You ain't got to bullshit me. I know what's up. I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know if I say we're crazy, but I would say we're super passionate. There you go. Especially when it comes to football. Somebody's I mean, been through therapy. Know. God bless. <laughs> yeah, acting. Acting. Yeah, acting. You know, thank God for acting. <laughs> um, but, but Olin and I, you know, we were the two guys on offense that, you know, uh, you know, we were kind of spark plugs, you know, we fed off of each other. It's, it's funny because, you know, you'd hear Olin and I cursing each other out, like hitting each other cuts, but nobody, we, it wasn't an argument. You know, if we ran toss and, and I didn't get downhill quick enough, you know, we come to the silence like T Jones, come on, man, you know, what? You gotta get downhill, man. Down there dancing in the backfield. Come on, bro. What are you doing? You gotta get downhill. And I'm like, you're right, bro. I, yeah. I, I, you're right. right. And then if we're running toss and he's lollygagging, he's not out there, and I shove him in the back, like, go, come inside. I'm like, oh, you gotta go, bro. Like, I'm looking, I'm looking at the, uh, the, the the sheet, and I'm like, homie, like, this is you right here, bro. You gotta get out front, bro. You gotta get out front. You, you, you lollygagging. You, you, you gonna give me tackle for loss. Now I got There you. was a respect there. Because we just wanted to win. You know what I'm saying? We wanted to win and we loved each other and appreciate each other genuinely because we knew the love was genuine. And that's why that team is so important to me. And that time in Chicago was so special. You know what I mean? Because you you rarely get to play around that many guys where it's not even like a job. It's like I was in high school. It felt like I was back in high school again, where it's, you know, you're playing for your school, you're playing right. for you know, you have your Letterman jacket on, pep yeah. rallies. That's what it felt like, you know, being on that team. The whole time I was there, 04 to 06, I mean, I did not want to leave, man. I did not want to, I did not want to leave, but I understood the business of it, and um, I enjoyed my time there, and I will never forget those guys, never forget Chicago fans. Super special time in my life. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. February 4th, 2007. Take me back to that day because I'll tell you this. I was uh, I was in a garden apartment in Hyde Park. It was the first place that I got that I was really happy about, right? It was a garden apartment, by the way. And I was in a garden apartment in Hyde Park. I'm, I'm set for the Super Bowl and opening kickoff. Devin takes that bitch back to the crib and I jump up and punch a hole in the ceiling <laughs> because I'm like, yo, this is about to be it. Yeah. And, and from that moment on, Jeff Saturday and Dominic Rhodes and them boys did not, uh, they did not mess around with their game plan and execution. Uh, there was a few snafus, you know, a little, yeah. couple of busted assignments. But that day, that experience, um, people say here in the, 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 the jets fly over the stadium and you get the butterflies. Like, what was that day from the time you woke up to the time the game ended? What was that day like for you in terms of emotions and uh, reaching an accomplishment and, and understanding, you know, the, the space and the time that you were in? It, it was, uh, it was, it was surreal. It was, I, honestly, I, honestly, I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't think about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, because we were so focused after we won uh, the NFC Championship game, we were like, we have to finish the deal. Because the year before, in 05, we had a bye week and we lost to Carolina at home. Yeah. And Steve that was, Smith game. Oh, uh, it killed us. Yeah, that was sick. That was a sick feeling. And all of us said, next year, when we, if we get back to this this place, we're not going to go through that. We're going to win it all. So we were so focused on the game that I didn't even think Super Bowl. Uh, I wasn't thinking Super Bowl. I was just like, they're small up front. Um, we're going to mash them. Um, they got, you know, Bob Sanders in the back, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, b- between me and Sed, um, switching up styles on them, you know, we'll keep them off balance. And on defense, you know, we're going to make some make some plays. And obviously we have the X Factor in, in Devin. Um, so no I, Tommy, I, I, man. No Tommy. I, I no still think about no it. No Mike, Mike Brown. No Mike, was the, yeah. That was that was the biggest loss for us going to that game is not having Mike. Yeah, because then you had to <laughs> run with Danielle and Chris back there, right? Yeah, yeah. Who are, who are, who are great players, but mm-hmm. Mike, 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 Mike Brown. If it wasn't for injuries, Mike Brown could have been a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown. Me and Mike came out the same year in high school. I remember Mike Brown in high school. He was on the cover of Super Prep magazine going to my senior year in high school. And he was the I think nation's number one player, and I remember I was ranked number seven at running back, and I was going and I would always flip through those magazines. And he was on the cover, just his face, Mike Brown. I'm like, then I remember him at Nebraska, and then I was just happy to get a chance to play with. Him. I, was a, I was a fan of his since high school, mm. but I wasn't thinking of the Super Bowl until we actually came out of the tunnel for pregame warmup, and usually. You're playing a home game or an away game. There's, there's no neutral games, you know. And usually you have the uh, opposing team's logo in the middle of the field. And, you know, that's what I was used to. When it, what really hit me was when I came out of the tunnel and I saw the Bears in our end zone. And I took a little trot down to the other end just to kind of warm, get my legs warm. And I saw the Colts in the other end zone. And it automatically went to Tech Mobile. Because every game in Tecmo Bowl is the Super Bowl, right. pretty much. There's no home or away team. Right? A lot, of, a lot of Dolphins versus Raiders. Yeah, <laughs> John like, Offerdahl and the boys. It's so weird how I'm like. That's when I was like, "Wow, this is it." Like this is in the middle of the field. The logo was the NFL shield. That's when I was like, it, "I get chills now thinking about it." Because that's when it hit me. Like this is for everything. 
this is what I watched as a kid. This is this is what I dreamed of as a kid, and it's here. Um, so that's when it hit me that I was playing in the Super Bowl. It was that moment, and um, yeah, it was just and then the game because you know, as you go from there's different levels in the NFL. You have preseason where it's like if you're a starter, you're like, let me just get in the preseason so that I don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Let me get into the regular season healthy. Uh, so I can, you know, start off hot, leading the NFC or AFC and rushing touchdowns so I can get off to a good start. Right. Then you have, so you have the speed of preseason. Then you have the first regular season game, opening day. And now the speed of the game picks up because now guys aren't just not trying to get hurt. They're actually trying to get sacks. They're trying to get interceptions. They're trying to get yards. Um, and then you get to the middle of the season. Speed picks up a little more because now it's like, okay, Let's figure out what position we can put ourselves in for playoffs. Right. And then you get to the end of the season where it's that playoff push, then the game speeds up that much more because now it's so focused and dialed in because any mistake could keep you out of the playoffs. Now once you get to the playoffs, each game it goes faster and faster and faster. But everyone's so more so much more focused and so mm-hmm. dialed in. One one inch, you miss your chance for the Super Bowl. Something you've been working for your whole life. So the Super Bowl goes by even faster. That game just before I know it, confetti was coming down and they were roping off the field. And I'm like, we didn't win. Mm. You know, because in my mind the whole time, I'm like, we're going to win. We're still going to win. You know, we're still going to win. I think we were down 22 to 17 and we were driving. And I'm like, we're still going to win this game. We're still going to win. Like, it's okay. We're still going to win. And then the interception pick six. So I'm like, hold on. How much time's left? And then you start right. looking at the clock and you're like, oh, shit. And then boom, game's over. Um, and it didn't hit me until I really, really, uh, I got in the locker room and I'm just looking around seeing guys' faces. And, um, and I didn't know how bad it was going to be for the rest of my life until all of the coverage for the Colts, the parade, uh, Sports Illustrated, everywhere you go, it's Colts, Colts, the commemorative Colts commercials with their Super Bowl. Coin and football um, and shirt yeah, and everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's torture. It was torture. It was, it was torture throughout the rest of my career. I've just now finally been able to like, um, really. Wrap your uh, head around really it? it. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch the Super Bowl, but like, I still don't oh, watch really? it today. No, I really? haven't watched the Super Bowl since we lost. Damn. I haven't I haven't watched the Super Bowl since lost. It's a little easier now because I'm just because of acting. Honestly, I'm I'm so far removed from the game that I don't even really really watch football mm-hmm. at all. I catch a lot of it on Twitter, social media, but anytime Super, the Super Bowl comes around, it, it's like PTSD for a lot of us. Wow, you know it's pretty crazy. No, I mean it, it makes sense, right? You get a finite amount of time to do something that you've loved doing for a long time as a kid, and now you're an adult having to do it, and now the stakes are higher, like you mentioned. The finances are different, the pressures are different, the the family involvement, and you know the cities that you're living in. Every all the pressure, like you know, I I I, I try sometimes to explain it to my friends uh, about what athletes may go through or the, the 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 regular lives that they try to lead and also the public pressures and then you've got the world watching you you've got a city of eight and a half million people we're counting on you and when you don't bring home the gold what that off season or like you mentioning now what the rest of your life might be because of those instances that were caught in time for you as a fan these these guys walk around these girls walk around for the rest of their lives with them. so it's interesting to hear you say that you have not viewed a Super Bowl since then because of the, I guess, the the trauma of not reaching that goal. Yeah, you put your heart and soul into it. You know, like, you put every ounce of your being into it. I've had games where you know, we've you know, it's come down to the wire and we won at the end and I've been just in my locker like just (laughs) just crying from just we won and like I gave I don't have nothing left mm-hmm. physically emotionally you know the ups and downs of the game are we gonna win are we gonna lose is he gonna make the field goal is he gonna make get the third down am I gonna get the first down you know TJ let's go we, know, we gotta get this first down we got it gotta come up for us like so much it's like almost it's a pressure cooker 
like you're in the military, like it's, it's like mm-hmm. you're literally in battle, you know? And so uh, you give so much of yourself, but then you have the flip side where, you know, you're making millions of dollars and, and uh, you know, you're gladiators. And so at the end of the day, you know, sometimes it's hard for fans to see that side because um, you're making a lot of money. You seem to be living a certain type of life um, that is a dream. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're still human. You still, you still have the same tendencies and the same emotions that anyone else would. But also, we're earning that money, you know. So you're not being given the money. Right. You're not just giving it to you. You, you earn it even if you don't make the play. Even if you didn't win the Super Bowl, you still earn your check based off of the experience that you're giving the fans and you know, it might not be the, the, the 100% outcome that they wanted, but at least if it's close, something close, then you know, I think that's a fair trade. How you doing physically, right? Because, you know, I used to make a joke on the air, mamas, don't raise your sons to be running backs. <laughs> because <laughs> coach, coach is going to run their ass into the ground and, and try to pop another one in four or five or six years, right? Um you had you were blessed to have a terrific career, you know. You and shout out to your brother as well. I used to call y'all the football clips, especially with the Virginia background. You know, Malice and Pusha T running the football. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but how 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 are you physically? How are you feeling? Um, I, anytime I get a chance to talk to you know former football players, Lomas Brown, anybody, I always want to know like how you guys are doing. I think acting is really. I wouldn't say save my life, but I would say that acting has uh, helped me reinvent myself. I can tell, it's, brother. You know what I'm saying? Um, just being away from football, being away from that environment, because uh, I only know football in one way. I don't. I don't know it as. Uh, I don't. I'll never see football as a, from a, from as a a fan's perspective per, per se. Right. Because I, because I, because I was so entrenched in it, um, and football makes me become a certain person. Even now, like the switch comes on, because you're allowed to be that way. I can be primitive and whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. If I'm the leader of the team, and you know, versus corporate America, like right now in Hollywood, you know, if I'm on a team and a receiver drops the ball. And, um, you know, I know he wasn't on the jugs in practice. He leaves early. He doesn't watch extra film. And I could be like, yo, yo. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can pull up on him. Right. If they going to throw you, because they could have given me the ball. You're not going <laughs> to catch it. Then they give it to me. I'm, because I'm staying after practice. I'm watching extra film. I'm staying in the weight room. I'm in the cold. So I'm doing what I need to do to be successful. Right. You don't want to win the Super Bowl, so you don't need to be getting the ball. So I can have that energy with that person and however it plays out is how it plays out if you fight it, what it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Like, that's the world. That's the environment that we live in. That's the locker room. That's the, that's just the energy that's in the air across the board and everybody knows that. They're not surprised by it. Where if an editor messes up an edit on Johnson, you know, I can't... <laughs> hey Brad, look, let me see you in the room real quick, Brad. <laughs> right, let me see. Let me step out the editor bay. I need to holler at you, like you know, like like that's not going. You know, this Thomas Jones, he really has a fiery temper. <laughs> right, like you, you, you can't do that over. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And and you can't do that in real life because you're gonna get in trouble. No matter because no matter what you think is is normal, is normal to you. And as a football player in, in society, that's not a normal, rational place to be. And that's not a that's not a normal, rational energy to have. And I I I I had to realize that coming into this business, you know, because at first I wasn't this polished actor, producer. I wasn't that. I was a raw, passionate football player that's trying to figure out how I can put all this passion and energy. Mm-hmm. into a character and and i was able to do that because of an, an incredible actor co- acting coach franz turner uh i studied with ivana chubber who's a world-renowned acting uh coach and has a world-renowned acting studio mm-hmm. and uh franz turner was almost like he was a football coach to me just as an actor 
Um, and he understood my background. He understood um, my tendencies. And he helped me become rational again to a certain extent. Because, I mean, it's almost like whatever somebody's norm is, that's their norm. You know what I'm saying? Like, somebody might do something that's absolutely nuts to somebody else, but their environment, how they grew up, what their That's how they process it. That's their norm. You know what I'm saying? And if you didn't play in the NFL, or if you weren't a boxer or an MMA fighter, or something where it's that violent of a, not just sport, but a violent environment, conversations, the language, the, the world is... Uh, is is the most one of the most primitive places you i mean you, your survival instincts are are active necessary at all times yeah i get yeah. i get the ball on a toss toss right to the wide side of the field the short side at least i got the sidelines right, right. There. I can go, only so many of them can, can hit but you run and toss you on a left hash and you run and toss right oh yeah it's time to party with a bunch of people Oh, they see the dog, they say wild dogs, they see the ball, toss, 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 boom, here they come. You know, um, so your, your, your survival instincts are activated that whole, the whole time. You're like, man, because you know what potentially could happen. You don't know what potentially happened. Actually, you might look down at your legs, flip the other way. Like, that's my reality as a football player. And so, you know, that's an extreme way to live. And, and I couldn't turn that off until I started acting. And and got into show business in Hollywood and understood that that's not going to work here. If you want to be successful, you have to reinvent yourself and adjust to the environment. And that's why I'm so grateful to acting and my acting coaches and everyone that's been a part of, of me being able to reinvent myself because I, that's why I say save my life in, in that way. Dude, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure to watch you from UVA when you was good old number six. I, I, I wasn't watching Virginia football for very many reasons. And I, I messed around with, you know, you know, was it, uh, Sean, was it Sean Moore? I believe John back Moore. in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's when I was on my Virginia vibes. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. It's a running back down there acting a fool and watch you <laughs> at UVA do your thing. And then when you got drafted to the Cardinals and became a Chicago Bear, got a chance to cover you while you were here. Um, you've always been professional. You've always been a stand-up dude. And there's a reason why that defense honored you the way that they did uh, as a teammate. When when things was when things was uh, a little sketchy in, in, in training camp years by, years back, um, dude, I am very very proud of the actor that you have also become because you see a lot of people jump into things and you could tell when they half assing it or not jumping into it wholly. Uh, you are uh, you are changing a lot of people's ideas of what post football life can be and look like, and and I appreciate you for that and can continue blessings, man. I'm going to continue to watch this show because this, 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 this Omar dude, there's too many similarities I'm seeing right now. I'm like, all right, now, hold on now. You, you, yeah, I hear you in the DMs on your boy. And I can't wait to see what happens with the, the, the <laughs> can't wait to see what happens with the, uh, the, the relationship between Omar and Keith and how all that happens. And dude, this is, uh, this has been a, a, a fulfilling, I said this to Rhyme Fest. I said this to my man Iman Shumpert in the last pod. This has been a fulfilling conversation, and I'm truly, truly appreciative that you could jump on here with me. Uh, the Bounce Network, Johnson, go check it out. All right, it's only four bucks a month after the free trial. Y'all got it in your pockets. Make sure y'all subscribe into that thing, and make sure you guys are supporting Thomas Jones and whatever future endeavors he has. Because uh, I- I've been appreciative of watching your not only career art but your life art, my man. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me on. I love, I love what you're doing here. I love the fact that you're giving people voices uh, and you create an environment where we feel comfortable enough to be open and be ourselves. And, My man. Um, and not, you know, um, you know, nervous to say this or say yeah. that, make people feel any kind of way. Um, I'm not like that anyway. I always speak my mind, but you know, yes, I, I love the platform and you make it super easy to, to, to have, you know, really, really good and intimate and honest conversations, man. I'm proud of you too. Um, yeah, man, I, it's been great. It's been fun, man. Anytime I can talk to anyone from Chicago about Chicago Bears football, um, just sign me up, man. Also, real quick for Johnson, Johnson airs every Sunday, 8, 7 Central on Bounce TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have Bounce TV, you can actually just go get, you know, a basic TV antenna. Um, and it's a broadcast network bounces. So with the antenna, it'll bring up the net, all the broadcast networks bounces one of them so you can see it that way. 
And also you can download the Brown Sugar app, uh, the app that Jason was talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, if you don't catch Johnston on Sunday at 8, 7 Central, it'll air at midnight. Um, so you can catch it on the Brown Sugar app, which is their streaming platform. Also, our uh, after show, Johnson After Show, where we dive into some of the conversations and things that happened on the uh, previous episode. They're immediately after the show airs every Sunday night on Bounce's YouTube channel and on Bounce's Facebook channel. So, yeah, thank you for the love, man. Thank you for, for having me on, man. This isn't the last time, man. Nah, nah, not yeah. at all. Not at all. Yeah, I, and that's how, that's how I'm getting it. I'm getting it on the Brown Sugar app, so I do need to check out Bounce TV on Sunday nights. Looking forward to it. They got this man out here promoing. <laughs> like, hey, this man is an executive producer. All right? I he ain't to, playing man. no games I, I, anymore. I, 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 I got to watch the show, man, so I, I got I to do what I got to yes, do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and <laughs> next time, next time you're on, we will talk about how in the uh, the the early 2000s, how um, pulling up to any any place where you saw some flashy cars outside the city of Chicago. It was a tough night for you <laughs> back then. 24, 25 years old, just trying to scrape a couple dollars together, say I'm going out for the night. And then then you see the Miami plates and you see the exotic cars outside. You're like, ah, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> Thomas is here. So it's going to be a tough night. <laughs> Yo, listen, man. I was, I was just trying to enjoy myself, man. I, so oh, no, I know. Like, I felt like I wasn't gonna be there long. I'm like, let me enjoy it while I'm here. I was yes, right. sir. Shit, out of here. It was it was um it was divine, divine blessings yes, for you, my man. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you too. Thomas Jones right here on the Full Go Podcast.